Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Ron, it's a little toasty outside. Yes, it is. It's getting real hot. I think it's going to hit, what, 102 this weekend? or Something like that today. Golly. Yeah, today being Friday. Um, we're recording this a couple days earlier, of course. But, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be smoking. Um, but, you know, speaking of, of hot, though, I mean, the, the Olympics are going on. And, hey, the Americans are doing pretty good. That's right. The one thing I care about is the medal count. And we are in the lead as of right now. Yeah, right. As of yeah, Wednesday we're recording yeah. this, but yeah, we we don't know. So I mean, yeah, but it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, we got thirty. Uh, I think China has twenty four, and Japan has twenty one. So hey, at least we're leading. Right, that's right. And golf starts in the Olympics this uh, coming weekend as well. Yeah, starts on Saturday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Seeing Patrick Reed and you know Justin Thomas and all those guys play. Um, so a lot going on. And speaking of a lot going on, we have a couple great topics to talk about. We're going to talk about the ten IRA facts to know. Um, and Ryan, you know, on the surface, IRAs they seem really simple. Seems like yeah, you got it. But there's a lot of details about IRAs, and you need to know uh, they're important details. A lot of rules, a lot of facets, a lot of opportunities. With IRAs, so we're going to dig into those, and you want to you want to pay attention. To these. these are really good. Yeah, there's a lot to take advantage with those rules. And our second topic is going to be how to turn your car payment into a million dollar retirement. We see a lot of people coming here that have very expensive car payments, and we're going to talk about maybe another option for them, uh, what to do with that monthly income. Yeah, I love that topic because most people don't realize how much you could get ahead yeah. if you just stopped making payments on your car absolutely okay, got ahead one time so that's a really great topic um, by the way i'm steve marbert i'm a certified financial planner and a dave ramsey smart investor pro with over 26 years in uh, providing financial planning and investment advice and i'm ryan borders i'm also a certified financial planner and a ramsey smart investor pro and we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show our podcast are up every friday afternoon um, you can go to our website, um, moneymd.net, and you can look at all of our shows there. Listen to us on iTunes. Our, our show is up, like I said, on Friday every day, every week. And also do check us out on our website um, where you can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We would love to hear from you, and we will talk about those right here on the show. But we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, so listen to this. So the job situation in the USA, we're going to look at as of February 2020, so we're looking at pre-pandemic, 158.7 million Americans had full-time jobs. 5.7 million Americans were jobless, okay? Uh, so we had a 3.5% unemployment rate then. So as of June 2021, this year, um, this is the most recent jobs data we have, 151.6 million Americans had full-time jobs, and 9.5 million Americans were jobless. So our unemployment rate is about 5.9%. So we've come a long way since the pandemic. I mean, we still got, you know, a good ways to go, but it's amazing how much can change in 18 months. Yeah, I mean, just to summarize, we we have 7.1 million less working now. Is yeah. what those numbers tell me. So 7 million out of work. Um and you know, it's interesting only 3.8 million more are looking for jobs, so that means 3.3 million people have just quit for good. That's what it sounds like to me from looking at those numbers. 
Yeah, and we'll just see with the Delta variant and the virus, you know, what's it going to be like once we're finally past this virus? Yeah. It'll be interesting I mean, to maybe see. maybe those people filter back in the job market. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I, I noticed a lo- I've noticed a lot of people have retired, you know, that yeah. weren't really planning to retire. They just said, you know, I'm out of here. I'm close enough. And, you know, I don't want to go back to the office. And, you know, people, my, my neighbor's like that. He's like, you know, I don't really want to go back to the office. <laughs> I'm just going to pull the plug and retire. A lot of people got used to being home. And so it, it was a, definitely a trigger moment for a lot of people to go ahead and pull the trigger on retirement. Sure was. So anyway, interesting facts. Okay. And that leads us up here to more facts. And that is the 10 IRA facts to know. Um, and this comes out of from an article out of Investopedia, um, Stephanie Powers, very recently. But Ryan, you know, IRAs seem very simple on the surface. Um, you know, I mean, everybody, I think, gets the fact of a Roth and a regular IRA and pre-tax versus after-tax. But, you know, in fact, there's a lot more than meets the eye whenever you dig into all the features and the rules surrounding IRAs. Um, so we're going to dig into some of these less-known facets of individual retirement accounts today this morning and um you know one of the most important features of your individual retirement account your ira is that it is an individual account um which you're completely in control of and you know as, as opposed to maybe a 401k or or even more so a pension plan where you don't have a lot of control over what happens i mean in an ira you can customize your deposits you can take withdrawals when you want to you're responsible for paying the tax on distributions you can even control, you know, who it goes to after you die. You, of course, you name beneficiaries. Um, however, if you want to take advantage of all the benefits of your IRA and avoid the potholes, then listen up, because we're going to discuss some of the facts that you'll want to pay attention to that you probably aren't aware of when it comes to IRAs. First of all, though, we're going to start off with kind of the most obvious fact, and that is there are several types of of IRAs and you know you likely need more than one type of IRA um, because they 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 accomplish different things Um, there's lots of reasons to have more than one type of IRA and here are some examples Um, let's say you had a existing Roth IRA and then you rolled an old 401k into a traditional IRA because you had pre-tax money in the 401k so then you'd have two types of, of IRAs that's a good idea um, also, if your adjusted gross income, your AGI, is rises to the point that you're no longer eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA, which happens at about 208000 for a married couple, um, once you exceed that, you can't contribute to a Roth. Um, so you then you'd open a traditional IRA and perhaps contribute to a traditional IRA, pre-tax money. Um, or um, you inherit an IRA. And you already had one for your own. But if you inherit an IRA and you're not the spouse, then you're going to end up with a beneficiary IRA or inherited IRA, some people call it. And then another option would be uh, you maintained your Roth IRA, but then you opened a traditional IRA to take advantage of the tax deductions because you're, you're in a higher tax bracket and you need those deductions. So those are just some of the examples of why you'd have you know, more than one type of IRA. Exactly. And a lot of people don't realize that you can contribute to as many IRAs as you want, but the total you can deposit in all IRAs is limited to the combined annual maximum, which is at $6,000. And if you're over 50, you can do the extra thousand catch up for 7000 a year. Um, and, you know, the limit has nothing to do with uh, the 401k limit. I get asked that every once in a while um, to your company retirement plan. Um, that is totally separate. So you can, can max both of those out. They don't affect each other. 
So an example, you know, so if Bob, age 42, deposits 2000 to his traditional IRA, he can contribute no more than 4000 into his Roth account. So you could do both. You're not just limited to one, um, but the max is that 6000 if you're under 50. Um, second is con contributions to a regular IRA must be in cash. So when making your regular contribution to your IRA for the year, um, it must be done in cash. Um, this does not apply distributions of securities that are rolled over as these can be rolled over in kind, which I get asked that a lot if people, um, if that counts towards your contribution. So. Right. Yeah. So you can roll over securities directly and you don't have to sell yeah. them is what that means in kind. So, um, yeah, that's a good, good fact to know. Um, Another one here, though, is um, losses may be tax deductible, you know, and this is one I didn't know, Ryan, honestly, because I've never run into this situation. But, you know, one of the main advantages of an IRA, of course, is the ability to defer taxes on the gains and the income. Um, but, you know, you can't lose your you can't use your losses inside of an IRA to offset gains. But if you distribute the total balance from your traditional IRA and the amount is less than the basis that you put in the account, you can deduct that loss. So if you contribute to an IRA, for instance, and then the market went through this, you know, bear market and you needed to get the money out because you got, you know, lost your job or something, um, you actually could deduct the loss if wow. you put in more than you. I didn't realize that. Yeah, um, neither. Yeah. So more specifically, IRS says that, you know, you can deduct losses on traditional IRA but with some caveats. So, you know, if you've completely withdrawn all the funds from your traditional SEP or simple IRA during the year and your cost basis is more than the total amount distributed, um, then you can combine that with other losses that you have and, and they claim that as a miscellaneous itemized deduction, um, which has to exceed 2% of your AGI is basically what they're saying. Um, same rule applies to Roth IRAs. Um, once all your Roth IRAs are emptied, you distribute all the funds. You can deduct any losses um, up to the dollar amount of your contributions or your basis. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting fact. Obviously, a situation you don't want to be in, but it's good to know. So For sure. Um, the next is you don't have to take RMDs from all of your IRAs. This is really important to know. Um, so owners of traditional IRAs must begin taking your required minimum distribution by April 1st of the year after you turn 72. Um, the minimum amount uh, distributed is based on the balance of the account on December 31st of the previous year and the owner's life expectancy, but generally starts around, it's about 4% of the account balance at age 72. Yeah, that's right. Um, another fact, though, about that is you, you, if you have multiple IRAs, um, pre-tax IRAs, you don't have to take RMDs from all of them. You can combine the, the, RM, the total RMDs. Um, for each of your IRAs, and you can take those from one of your IRAs or a combination of IRAs, but they can be taken from any of them is the bottom line. Um, and you may prefer, for example, liquidate investments in one IRA over investments in another one, and you can just take your whole RMD from that one IRA. So interesting fact to know there. Um, and then another one here is, you know, there are different rules that govern spousal and non-spousal beneficiaries. Um, so one of the benefits of owning an IRA is the ability to transfer those funds directly to your beneficiaries without going through probate. So you name beneficiaries, goes directly to them. You avoid probate. Um, it's very quick. 
It's an easy process. So you want to make sure you name your beneficiaries on your IRAs. And a spouse, though, who inherits an IRA can claim the inherited IRA as their own, and they can combine that with any existing IRAs that they have. Alternatively, though, um, a spouse can decide to treat an inherited IRA as a beneficiary IRA. And what that does is that gives them access to the distributions before age 59 and a half without the 10% penalty. So, um, you know, that's a really good tool for a widow, maybe who, 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 or widower who is not 59 and a half, but who needs access to that money. Um, they can, they can treat it as a beneficiary IRA. However, non-spouse beneficiaries can't treat the IRA, inherited IRAs as their own, or they can't add funds to them. They have to completely, um, liquidate the account over 10 years. They'll, they'll treat it as an inherited IRA. And then over 10 years, they'll have to take it out. Um, there are some exceptions to that 10 year rule for, um, for what they call eligible designated beneficiaries. That's a non-spouse beneficiary. And that includes minor children, um, uh, not grandchildren, but minor children of the original owner. Um, And the 10-year clock begins once the minor child reaches the age of majority. So so that 10 years doesn't start till they hit 18 or 21, whatever it is in their state. And then also uh, beneficiaries that are less than 10 years younger than the owner. So if they're close to the age of the owner, say it's a brother or sister or sibling, um, then then that's an exception. Mm-hmm. And they can take it out over their life expectancy and they don't have to take it over 10 years. And then also if you're disabled, chronically ill, um, then you're ex- you get an exception to the 10-year rule. So, um, yeah, so there, there's some nice exceptions there to the 10-year rule for uh, non-spouse beneficiaries. Yeah, you definitely want to make sure you understand that. That is a newer rule with the 10-year. So the next is you can transfer or roll over your IRA. So it is common for individuals to move accounts from one financial institution to another. Um, If you decide to maintain the same type of IRA account with with a different company, you can move those assets as a transfer or as a rollover. So a little bit on the difference here. With a transfer, the assets are delivered directly to the financial financial institution to the other, and the transactions are not reported to the IRS. Um, when moving funds to your IRA, you may do a direct transfer from a financial institution to another um, any number of times a year. Um, but be aware that each firm can have accounts set up and close out fees. You always want to be looking out for those fees as well as an annual fee. Um, that you just want to always be conscious of the fees you're paying. So be aware of these charges uh, when making um, you know, a change to a different firm. Right. And a rollover, though, involves a distribution of assets from a retirement plan like a 401k um, to yourself and then rolling that over within 60 days into an IRA um, or another 401k. That's a rollover. And you may also be able to go um, in the other direction. You may be able to roll assets from your IRAs into a 401k plan. However, um, the plan must allow that. Um, and, you know, you would determine whether or not to rollover can be done uh, as a 60-day rollover or if the funds have to pay, be paid directly to the plan. So plans have different rules uh, pertaining to that type of activity, a rollover. Um, the primary reason you would do that would be to shelter the IRA assets from the RMD rules. Um, if you're working, you're still working, and you're over age 72, <clears throat> then you might want to consider that. But <clears throat> other than that, there's no real advantage, in my opinion, to rolling, you know, 
uh, into a 401k plan. <clears throat> Another thing you want to be aware of is your IRA can be an annuity. Um, we see lots of folks come in with annuities and turns out they're also an IRA. Um, well, your annuity can operate under the same rules as an IRA if your funding vehicle is is a retirement, they call it an individual retirement annuity. And uh, one of the benefits annuities provide um, is that they were designed to provide guaranteed income for life. Um, however, IRAs already have tax deferral, and annuities usually come with significant fees yep. associated with them. So for me, it's kind of difficult to find a compelling reason to move your IRA into an annuity. But I guess if you were looking for guaranteed income for life, I mean, that that would be the way to do it is to put it in an annuity. But, um, you know, those are usually based on very low rates of return. So there is an, a disadvantage there, but something to know. And then also IRAs can be a managed account. Um, you know, brokerage accounts allow you to, to give your financial advisor written authorization to make investment decisions and, you know, to, to make transactions at their discretion for your benefit. Um, you know, they often charge a flat management fee for that, you know, as we do, Ron, you know, here at this company. Um, so that's a very common way for, you know, accounts to be managed is to manage them inside of an IRA. Um, but IRAs allow for that. And, um, you know, there's an agreement, of course, a registered investment advisor agreement that usually is in place to allow that to happen. But that's one of the things they list here. It can be managed. Yeah. And another thing to look for is, you know, your investment options may be limited. So the IRS does limit what types of investments can be held in your IRA. But you also want to look and see what the financial institution you're using, you know, what kind of restrictions they have. Um, so the IRS will allow some gold and silver coins, for example, but a lot of financial financial institutions will not. Um, similarly, um, some employers' uh, plans like your 401k do not allow individual stocks to be held in the IRA. So you just want to be on the lookout for that um, when you're choosing a financial institution. That's right. And the last fact here to know is um, age is really just a number, mostly when it comes to IRAs. You know, anyone of any age who's paid a salary for tips or hourly wages um, for their work, um, you know, if it's earned income is the key. If it's earned income, you can contribute to a traditional IRA, including minors. And this means that your children can start saving for retirement as soon as they get a first real job. Um, you know, a Roth IRA is an excellent option for kids to, to learn more and to, to, who are earning and to, to start, you know, investing and building it up for retirement, um, on a tax-free basis. So that's a great option for kids when they get their first jobs to start contributing to a Roth. Um, you know, the tax penalty for early distributions will kind of encourage your kids to think twice about taking distributions from an IRA without a qualifying exception. Um, however, they'll have to use the retirement funds for college, or if they have to use it for college, um, there is an exception um, up to $10,000 for buying their first-time house or for using it for college. So they can't have access to it. And then seniors, um, you know, they can contribute to, to a Roth IRA account as long as they have earned income. So even after age 72, um, if you're working part-time, you can still make that contribution. So that's an excellent account for money that eventually will pass on as an inheritance, uh, particularly in a Roth, because it doesn't require RMDs. Um, previously, you know, seniors could only make IRA contributions to traditional IRAs after age 70 and a half, but following the passage of the SECURE Act in 2019, contributions can now be made at any age 
as long as you have earned income. So, you know, there's no longer age limits associated with making contributions to traditional or Roth IRAs. Um, so the bottom line is, I mean, IRAs have a lot of built-in flexibility and understanding these various facets of the IRAs can really work to your advantage and help you tailor your retirement savings to meet your future needs over time. So um, very interesting facts yeah, always, associated with IRAs. Always good to just understand what you're investing in, your vehicles, everything like that. So just good to know those rules. Absolutely. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. So we got this question earlier this week. Um, we were asked, hey, you know, I, a client said, I have 100000 to invest. Should I drip it into the market over time or should I invest it all now? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. And we get that quite a bit, particularly when markets are, you know, have done well recently as mm -hmm. they have this year. Um, yeah, I mean, and it partly depends on your comfort level with risk. Um, but if you just looked at the statistics, you're always better statistically to put it in sooner yeah. um, because the markets are up 75% of the time. And I know a lot of people say, well, wait a minute, does that really apply when the market's done so well over the last six months or last year? Actually, it does. Yes. If you go look at the stats, you know, I know that everybody has this in their brain that, you know, there should be some reversion to the mean. And, you know, after a great year, there's a higher likelihood that it's going to go down. The truth, if you look at the numbers, is that's been studied, and the, the truth is no. Um, there is about the same probability the market will continue up after it's had a great year as there is after it's had a bad year. Um, it's just it's just the truth, you know, if you look at the numbers. So the fact is the market's up about 75% of the time, um, you know, so if you're if – you're, if you're okay with the risk of, of thinking about putting it in and, you know, yeah, there's a possibility it could go down over the next year, um, then I'd put it in now. Um, if you're, if you're not comfortable with that and if you can't sleep at night or really be feel good about it, then I'd say average it in maybe over a year, yeah. you know, spread it out, put it in so much a month and spread it out over six months or a year. That's kind of the bottom line. Yeah, answer. and just what we tell a lot of people here, if you look at academic research, historically, markets reward those, the amount of time you're in the market, not timing the market. And so we preach that here. But like you said, it does matter on just risk tolerance, what your goals are. You always want to understand what the goal for that money is before you make any decision. Right, but the statistics, the pure numbers would say earlier is is better. Yes, and absolutely. That is, and that is always the case, you know, statistically. But... Uh, but yeah, there is that risk factor and that comfort level that you have to get your arms around as well. So good question of the week. And that leads up to our next topic here. And that's how to turn your car payment into a million dollar retirement. I, I love this topic. Yeah, Steve, you know, we see so many people coming here. I've seen $600 a month car payments. People in this country love their cars. And I like cars too. They're great. Um, but one thing to think about, cars are really one of the most expensive things people buy that depreciate in value. So we'll meet with people and they'll say, you know, it feels like, you know, I'm running out of cash before my paycheck even clears the bank. And there's a good reason for that. You know, over three quarters of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and that money crunch affects their ability to build a bright future. So according to Ramsey Solutions, um, you know, the cost of living is a top reason people don't save for retirement. So what's one of the biggest costs holding people back? It's a car payment. Americans now owe more than $1.33 trillion in car loans. I'd say that's pretty significant. Um, so what would happen uh, to your retirement outlook if you got rid of your car payment 
and started saving for retirement with that payment? Yeah, that's a great question, you know, because Americans, they're, they're spending more, they're paying longer for cars nowadays, according to the, the stats. And each quarter, Experian Automotive, they release data on the latest car financing trends. And their latest report shows just how much people are being crippled by car loans. Um, what it shows is that nearly nine in 10 new cars purchased are done with borrowed money now. So everybody, you know, borrows mm-hmm. money just about for a car. Um, the average new car loan is about $32,800, Ryan. Mm. Um, so over $32,000. <clears> and the monthly payments are $554 a month on average at about 5.76% mm. interest rate. So almost 6% interest rate. Average new car loan term, get this, is 69 months. That's more than five and a half years. I mean, when I was a kid, Ryan, I mean, you never heard of a car loan that was more than four years. Hmm. Now it's five and a half years. So, yeah, I mean, so if you just let that sink in for a minute, and the research shows that new cars, they lose about 60% of their value after five years. So if you're the average car buyer, you'll spend the next five and a half years paying more than about $38,000 for a car that's going to be worth about $13,000 when it's paid off. Ouch. If you're lucky. Yeah. So, wow, there's a 20, what is that? There's a $25,000 difference there. Yikes. Yeah, and chances are, you know, you're not going to be happy with your car once it's paid off um, as you were when you first got it. I mean, that's just common. Uh, The newness wears off. So go out and buy another new car, and then you're always in that same, you know, cycle over and over again. We see people that just, the car payment's always a part of their life, or maybe it's a lease. We see that over and over. So how your car payment destroys your retirement, let's look at this a little bit. So the never-ending cycle means you're permanently dedicated a chunk of your income to car payments every year, okay? You won't be, uh, you won't have anything to show for it when that car, you know, loses value, right? It's not an investment, um, so that hard-earned money could be working, simply put, you could put it into like a IRA or 401k. So let's take a look. Okay, if you had uh, that $554 a month going to your 401k or Roth, you know, you could retire with $1.9 million after 40 years, and we're basing that off of an 8% annualized re- or an annual return. Um, that would certainly go a long way towards closing the retirement savings gap in this country, which grows by $3 trillion a year. Yeah, the good news is, I mean, you can stop this crazy cycle, you know, of <laughs> buying cars and, the, you know, getting killed by the depreciation and making this payment for life on a car because you, you keep, you know, upgrading your car and buying a new car whenever it's paid off um, and then start saving for retirement, you know, but it's going to take some sacrifice, takes a lot of discipline, but it is worth the effort. If you just get ahead of it one time, I mean, the fact is you're going to pay for your car every time, right? Mm-hmm. And so the question is, do you pay for it ahead of time or do you pay for it after you bought the car and then pay all the interest and everything left, you know, along with it? So, you know, our philosophy is eliminate your car payment forever. Get ahead of it one time. So let's say that you're driving, you know, your, your current car is worth $12,000. And instead of taking out a new car loan, you stick with the current, you know, set of wheels that you have. A little longer. In the meantime, you take that $554 a month that the average person pays and you put that into a car replacement fund, right? And in, if you did that, just in two years, you're going to have 
um, $12,000 plus um, your trade-in uh, to buy a nicer new car um, without owing you know, the bank a single penny. And so once you've learned kind of how awesome that is, you know, you maybe you won't drive, mind driving your car a little longer and your car replacement fund grows. And let's say that you really get into the spirit of it. You continue adding that $554 a month and you do that for five years. Well, then, Ryan, you know, in in the time that it would take to pay off a new car loan, you're going to have thirty three thousand dollars plus your trade-in to buy a new car. So you got enough cash right there to buy a new car. You'll have some leftover probably, and then you're going to be ahead of it, and you just keep doing that forever. Yeah, and you mentioned just driving your car a little longer. You know, cars are made to go a long way now. You know, we have a couple cars that are over eight years old now. They're running great. If you do the basic maintenance on them, these cars are designed to go a long way, so that's one thing to think about is maybe just not replacing as often. That can help save a lot of money. But, of course, you don't have to use all that cash to buy another great used car. What you could do is leave enough in your car replacement fund, keep it growing until the next car purchase, and at that point, then kind of switch over the savings towards more retirement or other goals. And that's something that just helps build value over time, something worth working for. Um, so it's definitely a good idea to think about um, you know, these car payments are really crippling a lot of people's budgets in retirement. So consider maybe switching over and saving that money rather than paying it to a bank. Yeah, that's a great topic. Uh, I love that topic because it will really change your life once you start paying cash for everything, but particularly for cars. It's a huge item. And so you just got to get ahead of it one time and then stay ahead of it. Yeah. Keep paying, making that car payment to a car replacement fund. Let it grow. Then you got the market and returns working for you instead of the interest working against you. Yes, exactly. So, great topic. All right, and that leads us up here to our last item, and that is the prescription of the week. Um, And so, uh, if you have a higher income and you want to contribute to a Roth IRA, the prescription is consider a backdoor Roth. Um, Because... You know, once you have make over, we mentioned earlier, once you make over about 108000 for a joint couple, you know, filing joint, or a single person making over 140000 you can no longer contribute to a Roth IRA. So a way to still get money in there is to contribute after-tax money to an IRA, okay? And so then once you have it in an IRA, you can, you can immediately convert that IRA into a Roth. Um, and since it's after-tax money, there's no tax on it. So it's a backdoor way to get money into a Roth IRA. Um, $7,000 if you're over 50. Uh, that's a great tool to, to get money in there if, you don't, if you're not able to do it. Also, you can top up your 401k plan. It's another backdoor yep. way to get money into a Roth. If your 401k allows it, um, once you've maxed it out with pre-tax money, or, or regular contribution money at, at $26,000 if you're over 50. Um, if your plan allows it, you can top it out uh, all the way up to about $60,000 in after-tax money. So additional money on top of your match and on top of your regular contributions. And so that allows you to get a whole bunch of money in, an, in a, a, a 401k really quickly after taxes, and then you can immediately roll that into a Roth. Correct and convert that to a Roth. So a couple of great ways to get money into a Roth. Roth is very powerful money once you get in retirement because it gives you some flexibility to manage your tax situation. You're going to want to have some money after tax or tax-free 
along with your pre-tax money when you retire to be able to manage your taxes once you retire and you start Social Security and Medicare and all those things. So great tool. Absolutely. Great prescription. Take advantage of that if you can. Absolutely. All right. Well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. You can link to us there. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.